Adversity. Real stories from real people. Persistence Culture presents the Adversity Podcast. All right, we are ready for another episode, Adversity Podcast, Real People, Real Stories, and Josh is back in the studio with me. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Oh, man, at it again. Uh, took a couple weeks off from it, but I'm excited to be back in the studio. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a long couple of weeks. I hadn't seen you, man. I, I, I felt like, uh, you know, I was missing my, my buddy. Yeah, man, we've seen a lot of rain, though, which Jeez, is good. That is, that is actually <laughs> Tornado warnings true. in Southern California. Who would have thought? Yeah, there's a golf course in Ventura that's still completely flooded. What's the name of that course? Uh, Buena. Buena. Completely flooded. Wow. Still underwater. Yeah, man. But you know what? We're back at it. And of course, we continue to bring you the great guests. And uh, who do we have today? We have the one and only Bashar. Uh, he is a friend of mine. He is one of my dear golfing buddies, as well as one of my dear dearest friends that I've had the fortune of becoming friends with since we've moved out here to California. And he's just a gem of a human being. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Nice to meet you, man. You too. Yeah, man. Really? I, I, I could tell you're a jokester. <laughs> I mean, you, you gotta throw some jokes in there with life otherwise it's uh stressful and extremely exhausting how did you guys meet uh the golf course he played all the time i played all the time and we just connected and i know the personalities mesh sometimes right away right and where the, where did you grow up at i grew up in jordan since i was uh, until i was 17 and then i moved here straight to san pedro and how did you end up, uh, are, are you in the in Ventura County yeah, now? Yeah, I only spent two years in L.A. and then I moved here because uh, family, long story short, my sister was married to this gentleman that uh, started a business here. And then my family kind of got involved in it. So mm. I just moved here and I haven't looked back. It's been almost 30 years. Wow. Yeah. And then you guys have known each other for a couple years? Yeah, a couple, couple years, years now. Yeah. yeah. And how's how's Josh on the golf course? He, he hits it far. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I got. You hit, <laughs> I like that answer right there. <laughs> so, do you hit it far, Josh? I, I hit it far. <laughs> yeah, I can I can hit it pretty good off the tee. It's it's that second shot that I start having issues with. All right, man. So so you uh, growing up, you said uh, Jordan. Jordan, yes. So uh, tell us some struggles that you went through in Jordan. Oof. This took a dark turn real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want we want to know how no, Jordan, you, you overcame uh, a lot of stuff. You know, Jordan I'm, is beautiful. Uh, there's a huge misconception about Jordan being in the Middle East that it's uh, unstable or there's issues or bombings or it's actually the opposite. It's like an economical hub mm -hmm. for the whole region, and so a lot of money flows through it. And because of that, the infrastructure is it grows at a much faster pace than anywhere else. There isn't a place to put a house. It's right. packed. The population when I left was 6 million. Now it's probably topping 10. Wow. But there's a lot of tourism from Saudi Arabia and the Gulf that come up during the hot months down there. And that gave it another economic boom. There's a lot of parties and a lot of clubs and mm -hmm. a lot of hotels. And uh, you can wear whatever you want pretty much. It's very different. But there's a subculture there when you get out of the capital where uh, I grew up Catholic in my house. Mm -hmm. So my family was the other extreme, actually, where, you know, <laughs> Mother Mary and candles burning all yeah. day and you have to pray every day and all that good stuff. So uh, that was something that I had to hide in the public. Right. 
So I kind of left there and I got more comfortable here because of that. I could not have an identity down there. Right. Because 4% of Jordanians are non-Muslim. And then out of that, probably there's a small percentage that is, you know, Catholic Christians. Because you got the Orthodox and the Baptists and all that. So uh, your your family being religious, did you come from a very strict household? or? Yeah, very strict. Extremely, extremely strict household. But I was the black sheep of the family too, and I got in a lot of trouble. My brother was a, is a doctor. My sister is a pharmacist. The other one is an optometrist. And then I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> what Hello? made you what made you the black sheep of the family? I don't know. I was a nerd, 300 pound, 12 year old that did not very introvert in my own hole and then something happened the first year of high school where I'm not explain it, just went the extreme opposite side and I became a rebel and I got in fights and I started drinking and smoking cigarettes and it took a whole wrong turn. I hung out with the wrong guys for a while. And this is uh, when you started high school? This is the, the first year of high school. And you know what? I, I, I think it don't matter where you're, you are or, or grew up, but I think high school is, is a, a changer, life changer for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah for a lot of people. My daughter is in her first year, and I'm seeing that same exact struggle where friends change, personalities change, and your dynamic changes. It's, it's a whole different world. And you were and you were in Jordan still. Old boy you, school in your freshman. Yep. Old boy school, Latin priests with robes and the whole nine. The whole nine. So you were a junior when you moved to the states. I was yes. I didn't go to the last year of high school. Really? Yeah. They had to get me out of the country. Did uh? Now you went to UC Santa Barbara, right? I went to Marymount College for a couple of years, and then I transferred here because of the business thing, and then. I just uh, finished at UCSB. Went to a year to City College. Did you? Yeah, I had to. A lot of classes that you take there do not transfer, so there was a gap for a year. Yeah, that was what I was curious about is, like, kind of that challenge of transitioning from a Jordan high school, right, to an American No, there wasn't. College. Jordan, Jordan's system is English. Oh, really? Yeah, so England never left in the 1950s after they took the country. F uh, the whole region used to be the land of Damascus okay. until 1948, I want to say. Mm. And then, you know. Like Damascus. In like the Bible, Damascus in, in Damascus, like yeah, where yeah, Paul like got Syria. blinded. Yeah, yeah, like Syria was the, there was no Syria. So Dam Damascus was like the capital of the Middle East, pretty much. Yeah. And then, uh they came in and they redraw the maps, and then Israel became one section, and Lebanon and Syria and Jordan and Iraq, and then uh, Saudi Arabia became Saudi Arabia. But back then, Jordan and Iraq and Saudi Arabia are all tribal. So they had to literally go in the 1950s and pick a tribe to become the leader, and that's how the Hashemite family became the leaders of that and Saudi Arabia's family became the leaders of Saudi Arabia, and oh, then wow. they renamed the countries. I think the, an, an interesting fact that I didn't know was the size of those countries. Like, how big is Jordan? You said all of Ventura County can fit in Jordan. <laughs> L.A. County. <laughs> L.A. County. Like, L.A. County can, we can take in a Jordan, whole country. Wow. The whole country. We can take it and bring it to Los Angeles. The wow. entire country. As, That's crazy. Yeah, as far as citizens, yeah. That blew my mind, just putting that in perspective, you know, like, yeah. 
And Kuwait and all those are the same way. Kuwait is a lot smaller. Kuwait is probably the size of... Uh, that's the one that's the size of Ventura County. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> no joke. Yeah, probably. County, we probably what, have a million people in Ventura County. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because there's nine in L.A. County in there. Like something. Like, I know the demographics very well because of the business, but I would say because Oxnard has 250 and then Ventura has 100 and yeah. 70 in Camarillo. So, yeah, you know, between Westlake and we're probably at that number. Mill, yeah. yeah, as big as Kuwait. So what was it that you think kind of helped you get it all put together to where you went from kind of being the nerd to the black sheep to a completely different country and now here you are in this phase in your life right where you get to you have the ability to golf every day and you kind of have this really nice lifestyle that you've created because a lot of people don't realize, you know, they see people in these positions. They don't, it's kind of why we started this podcast. They don't realize what you had to go through to get here. We hadn't even gotten into his house burning down yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff this, yeah, this guy's there come is, through. And, um, I would say they, um, I've always believed that things happen for a reason, a reason. And there's a lot of times where it's like a blessing in disguise. Mm hmm. And uh, I might not seem like it, and I don't, like, speak it out loud, but, you know, I, I am, like, religious at heart, and I believe, you know, in, in good brings good, and God, and Jesus, and a lot of other prophets, even, and, and their teachings. And if you just keep bringing positive into your life, positive comes. And, you know, be a jokester sometimes. Yeah. And, and, like, in your hardest, hardest, hardest moment, crack a fucking joke. Yeah, right. Don't take it into deeper and deeper. And was it was it hard for you to get to that point? It was. It was. There was a lot of struggles. But see, I right after college, I got married immediately, mm -hmm. and I went to the family business. I did not blink for a day. Right. So from there, my wife got pregnant, and then she was in her last year in college, going to Northridge, and so she would go to school and finish her last year where she was almost nine months at that point. Wow. And then from there, we had our first child. And then the company uh, was very small, and we all had to go to work 12, 16-hour days. So you get buried under a rock pretty much, mm -hmm. and the next time you open your eyes is 20 years later, you're going through a midlife crisis. <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> like, I feel like you're talking about me right now. <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> That's why I retired. <laughs> Yeah, the reason I ask that is because uh, a lot of times when bad things happen, when we're young, we, we don't look at, like, you know, this is happening for a reason. And you you feel a lot of people build that victim mentality from that. Yes, absolutely. I I don't know why I'm not that guy. Again, I think I contributed to the first year of high school where I went from the, the, the guy that's hiding in the corner to the guy that's leading the fight in mm -hmm. school between groups and going out of school to other schools and beating people up and getting booked and coming home with my shirt tore up. And I went from a scared to this face it in the eyes till you die kind yeah. of attitude. And I think that's what helped me kind of succeed in life is no matter how many times I got beaten in high school and, and, and uh, broke a nose or tore a, a shoulder, I would go back in that fight and not go home until I'm in, like, pieces, right. regardless winning or losing. And that's the attitude the guys I was hanging out with, you know, had. And they kind of instilled that in me. And then I came here, 
And it was a whole different world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I am by the beach in Palos Verdes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this peace and tranquility and beauty and, you know, girls from all over the world attending school. Right. And it's like, what a life changer. It's like, why would you live that kind of life when you can live here? And then if you live here but have that mentality of back home of head on, I'm going to eat it alive. So that change that you, yeah, you moving but, changed you. Yeah, but it kind of gives you the alternative that, you know, I can eat everybody alive on my way too because mm-hmm. I came from an environment where it was like a dog eat dog kind of. Right. And then all of a sudden we're in this environment where everything is just so easy. Just just go to work, sweat a little bit, and you're going to come out ahead. Yeah. There is no fight like over there. There's, yeah. a, there's a whole different world over there where if you don't know somebody that knows somebody, it's not going to be easy for you to go open a business and just succeed. Working hard does not equal to success yeah. in a lot of cases. That's pretty That's a so pretty. It made wild. it, I guess, easier yeah. to kind of achieve it with that mentality. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's what's beautiful, too, about this. You know, and I, I'm not one of those big patriot guys. I do love our country, and I and, and I come from a family of soldiers that have died for it, literally, mm-hmm. you know. And you, you ask anybody that has lived in, whether it be in the United States or another country, mm-hmm. 98% of them are going to say the states are the best place in the world to live. Absolutely. 98%. Absolutely. And I don't think people understand what they got and how they have it. It's, uh, it's unreal. Like yeah. how yeah. for granted we take <laughs> this country, it is you lovely. know, I yeah, mean, I think it's not just this country, Southern California, but Oh yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, yeah. for God's yeah. sake. Yeah. That's, that's take people, a drive up to Carmel up the one. And when we sold the store, Switzerland, people are like, are you going to go back to go back home? You know, you're going to go back to Texas. I'm like, no, <laughs> Have you been out here and visited? I mean, this place is, yes. it's, it's, I love it out here. Yeah, it's I mean, amazing. It's just, even with the bad weather we've had for like the last month, it feels like, I, I mean, I mean the, that's, the views alone after the weather, was I know how amazing. green everything is. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's just, it, that's a good adversity. Sometimes you got to go through the weather, through the storm yeah, to get your grass to grow the exactly. right color. Right on, right on with the subject. Yeah. That, was a good one. that was right on the subject. Smooth transition <laughs> right there. So I'll give you on that on that note. There's a little piece that I did not cover when I. The reason I came to this country is because I got so bad in Jordan that my dad had to do something. So instead of sending me to the last year of high school there, we got a letter from my school saying that I'm an A student and I'm a really good student, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Citadel, which is a military school in Carolina, South Carolina, I believe. And um, they recruited me to go there and become part of it. So uh, I was forced to come over here. Uh. And then I landed in South Carolina, and I'm like, beautiful, but I don't want to be here. And then I went to school for two weeks there, and I realized I did not come from a war scare to become part of the war. Right. And they did not appreciate the fact that I was an Arab. But I was recruited because I'm Christian, Arab, and I speak really good English already. So uh, about two weeks into it, I'm like, I'm leaving. I get out of there. I go to Michigan, where my brother lives, Dearborn. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm packing the fuck up. I'm, I don't care what's going on down there, bro. Let's roll back home. By chance, by chance, my dad was visiting my in-laws in Ventura. 
And he goes, just get your ass over here and we'll go home together from here. So I fly to California on a Wednesday night, let's say, shaven, of course, because I had to go through <laughs> the two weeks over this, there. At the Citadel. At the Citadel. From there, Dearborn, boom, I'm in Ventura looking at what's around me. The next morning, we get in a car, we go to Vegas. <laughs> I'm like, hold on a minute. Hold on, tap I the think, brakes on this flying out of here. I think I'm going to kick it over here. <laughs> you found home. I think I've arrived. We're good. We're good. You all can go home. I think I like it here. I think I'm going to stick around. So you've been here since that since moment? Since that moment, Ventura, yeah. Since wow. that moment, yeah. You said you, you joined the family business right away? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like immediate. And I quit school a couple of times to make money because I felt the cash in my hands. Mm -hmm. And then my dad made a deal with my in-laws that I'm not allowed to work until I graduate because I just don't want to go to school anymore. I'm, right. I'm going to school for business, spending all this money. It's freaking outrageous, man. I was so pissed. This company that is like needs money and there are stores out there that we can buy, yet I'm spending 50 grand a semester because I'm an international student. I don't right. pay California fees. Yeah. And our tier is even higher than out of state. So it just made no sense. Why are we taking this money and let's go buy two more stores, yeah. you know, that are struggling and fix them up? Instead, no, I had to go finish school and leave with this piece of paper that I, honest to God, don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think my wife has it in some shitty frame in some closet <laughs> on the left side. <laughs> on the, on the, <laughs> on the left, left side. side. It'll be on the right side next year, right? Yeah. It'll be on the right side next year. <laughs> Little inside joke. We were talking about spring cleaning, how we move things from one end of the garage to the next. <laughs> But uh, uh, what type of business is uh, Domino's Pizza. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It started in Santa Paula with my brother-in-law. We used to work in the Valley, and then that store was really struggling, and he took it over with uh, two of his brothers. And then they got one in Ojai, and then my family kind of jumped in a little bit, and then I jumped in all the way, sort of, and the company kept growing, growing, growing. And now we are at about 100 stores. We just broke 100, actually. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it was a miserable 20 years before the growth spurted. Like a lot of hard work, a lot of times when we thought we lost it all. Uh, my mother-in-law had to mortgage her house a couple of times yeah. to make payroll. So, you know, but we had a great time. I look back and we were having a good time regardless. Yeah. yeah, because the, the, my partners are also, like, at the shittiest, worst time you're in, mm -hmm. crack a joke. Yeah. Just crack <laughs> a joke. Loosen up a little bit. Get your mentality back in positive and just move forward regardless. Yeah. Now, now yeah. going through those moments, were those all, I mean, you, you, you said earlier you always look at the bright side of things. I try to, yeah. And looking back now, were those all learning moments for you oh yeah of course i mean we all go in our holes too uh sometimes you know you go through multiple traumas where it's yeah. not like one and you deal with it uh, i mean uh, 2007 2018 was one of my worst years ever actually mm -hmm. and that was after achieving success in the company and the money and everything and the family and the kids are grown and i thought i'm done Mm -hmm. And literally, I bought a house on the hill, remodeled it from the ground up, took a year off to rebuild the whole house from the ground up, 
And then December 4th, 2017, it just burns to the ground. Well, I was at work up north trying to grow more and grow more. Right. My kids and wife were alone in the windstorm, and I left anyways knowing there's going to be a very windy night, but it's always windy on the hills. You know, you don't think something like that's going to happen. And then that night I got a phone call from a friend of mine who's, uh, like, best friend works in the Santa Paula Fire Department, mm-hmm. and he lives down the street from me in Andolando and Ventura at Foothill. And he told him he has an hour to evacuate. Called me. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. Made my wife leave. She's like, you're crazy. There's a little fire in Santa Paula. Why would I evacuate the whole yeah. house? I'm like, just do me a favor just for my sake because I'm not there. Just grab our passports and the kids with PJs and just go to your brother's house in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And she ended up like, okay, fine. She grabbed him after a big fight. I went to Camarillo to her other brother's house. Sure enough, we woke up in the morning and the house was gone. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I went through this like moment of, you know, uh, I, I always swore I'll never put money and success ahead of my family. Mm-hmm. And here I was in that moment, I did. I totally did exactly the opposite of what I thought I was going to do. And that was the kind of the aha moment. And from there, I went to quit my job. Wow. I threw the keys out. I'm like, I'm done. I, I don't, I don't want to work anymore. I'm, I've done my part. At that very moment? Pretty much like three weeks later, I, I called my partners and I told them I quit. Wow. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then me and my wife took a year apart, a year and a half actually. We both went to work on ourselves pretty much. Opened a bar in the meanwhile. How hard was that? The the Not the bar part, but... Me and my wife? Yeah. It was needed. It was, it was needed for both of us. There was a lot going on. Uh, she was also going through her... You know, midlife crisis, sort of. I was going through my midlife crisis. Uh, then the house burns and I quit my job and, and I want to open a bar and I'm, I lost my shit pretty much. You know, I haven't lived kind yeah. of thing. And, and I. Yo, and th- I, th- thanks for sharing that because a lot of grown men never admit to going through a midlife crisis. Right. No, it's actually the worst. Uh, you, you have to like face it head on. And then. Like most I mean, people, most outsiders pointed out. By the type of car that that one is driving. Sure, and I did drive a Mercedes convertible. Yes, I did. And I, I, I got rid of it the moment me and my wife got back together. I was like, this is stupid. Now yeah. I drive a sedan, and that's it. And that's it's, it's nothing else. And that's all I'm going to drive. I don't go that way anymore. Do you, uh, uh, when you lost the home, did you know this big change was coming? Was there... Yeah. No, no, no. I went to a dark place for a couple of years. And then when I opened the bar, I became a partier. I never ran the bar. I'm just pretty much down Main Street in Ventura partying my ass off from bar to bar Mm -hmm. while I have a bar to run. Wow. And never did inventory for like nine, ten months. I just partied. And then one day I bring a management company in to help me out, and I'm at home. And the doorbell rings, and it's Gara. Yeah, my wife, who at the time we were not together. Mm-hmm. And she comes upstairs. I was sleeping, and she sits next to me at the bed, and she goes, are we done? Uh, can we go home now pretty much? Like, are you done with this bullshit tornado right. you're living? And that's all it took. I'm like, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm done. How, how long had, uh, had you been in your relationship when you guys— uh, I've known her since 11 years old because— the thing happened is that my sister married Nick, mm-hmm. and then she's Nick's uh, sister. sister. And uh, 10 years later, after college, we kind of 
she went through some stuff. I went through some stuff. We ended up having coffee and talking and connecting. And next thing you know, we're dating and we want to get married and which makes it more complicated business and family and all right. that stuff. Yeah. So since 11, they got married at 22. So that was our, you guys were already, I've known it for 30 years, wow. married for 20 something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it, was it hard to, to work on the relationship once you guys decided to? No, no, no. We've known each other for so long. Uh, she was extremely supportive and she understood, you know, the, the phase I've been through. Uh, she has her mom and dad and brothers over here. You know, I have a sister that it looked out for me and mm -hmm. a lot of my family support is not here. So, uh, she was fine. The kids were fine. And she just realized at some point that, you know, she worked on herself. She was sick and tired of me doing what I was doing. Right. We have kids at home kind of thing. So it wasn't more for me and her working on the relationship. It was more like she came into my place and she's like, I don't know, in a nice way, she's like, just get your fucking ass back home, dude. We got kids to run. We, we got yeah. shit to do. Like, you can't be doing this. Instead of you suck and you're an idiot and I can't believe you're out there partying, opening bars. Uh, were those thoughts there for you, though, when you were doing all that? Or or did it take her to come? No, it took her to come in there. That moment right there was like, yeah, I think I'm done. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, <laughs> man. Like, <laughs> so It's great, ain't it? <laughs> See it sometimes. Sometimes when you're and I've I've had uh, friends who were in similar situations and and they think they know what they want, and I like you said you you said it was a midlife crisis. Yeah. And they do what they got to do, and they say it's not what you think it is on this side. Yeah. No. And they they want their family back, but by then it's it's, it's always too, too late. late. Yeah. yeah. I think I got lucky with the. Uh, my wife is a uh, like a home builder, like uh, she was raised by her mom. That number one, you never say I'm tired. Mm -hmm. the, the, this word doesn't exist in our vocabulary. I mean, we built the whole business on the fact that her mom was there all the time. Mm -hmm. She's she's one that held everybody together and the kids together. I mean, she'll go to her and tell her you're the best kid ever. You know, your brother is an idiot. And then she'll go to the brother and go, you're the best brother ever. Your sister is an idiot. <laughs> You know, like, like, you know, she would have been a good coach. Oh my God. She's just, she was actually coach, like leader of the pack kind of yeah. thing. And, uh, my wife has five brothers on her. So not only did she have to grow up with the five males in the house and kind of fight her way through that. She also has, she had a mother she looked up to and now she wants to become her mother. Right. And her mother is the home builder, the one that stabilizes a house and makes sure it's fine and it moves forward and bigger and better and safer. So she takes after that a lot. So to her, she did not like the failure mm -hmm. that we have became. It has nothing to do with I love you, you love me, you're mean, I'm mean. We all have our flaws and she's very Christian also. Right. You know, we all have our flaws. We're no, none, nobody here is perfect. So let's just go back and focus on what's important here. Mm -hmm. We have teenagers at home. My daughter at the time was going through 11, 12, 13 years, you know, that age right. of, you know, becoming a woman pretty much. And a, a father figure was needed at home kind of thing. And a mother figure was needed at home. And that was her main focus. She, wanted, she did not want to build our relationship back. She wanted to build our family back. Man, you're sharing so much uh, great information. I know, the moment gold. you started asking about Jordan, I'm like, this whole thing took a freaking turn real quick. This is like, this is probably one of the better what ones. What happened we've to had. GBT 4.0? <laughs> 
Well, at least you could use that as an excuse if you... If someone calls you out on something you said. That wasn't me. <laughs> that wasn't me, bro. That wasn't me. <laughs> no, but I, I think a lot of the stuff you're sharing is information or, or things that, that a lot of men go through that, you know, they don't want to put that out there. No, no. I have a friend going through it currently, actually, and he's both our friends. I'm not going to mention his name, but God, I, I tell him, but I see myself in him now. Mm-hmm. When I went through my hardships and the way I lived, the way I spent the way i made decisions was see what happens when you go through a midlife crisis especially if you like though you leave the wife and the kids and you go through that part of a midlife crisis because you feel like you've done your part and i've worked 25 years and i've Mm -hmm. never had a life and it's my turn and you know you go through that tornado you don't realize that decisions you're making now are all the decisions you could not make on your own and you needed permission to do yeah. So you need permission anymore now. Yeah. You can go. You can go buy the convertible. I don't owe you a fucking explanation. Yeah. You know, you're not there anymore. I'm gonna have my cheeseburger at midnight. I'm gonna eat the double fries with, you but know. But see, but then when you don't have that, you wish that person was there to tell you all that shit. Yeah, that but for a you. moment in time, like you said, when it's too late, yeah. some some people go a little bit far with it and it goes on forever next thing you know you look back and she's moved on and yeah. life moved on kids have moved on kids have moved on and here you are just enjoying this i guess you think it's freedom because you could do whatever you want you don't have to ask her anymore and that sense of freedom you go make all the decisions you wanted to make over 20 years in six months yeah and then you're oh, over yeah. it by then and then you're over, and then it. You're over it by yeah. then and, and you're you, like oops I feel like you're talking spent about your, a couple of my friends. Yeah, I that, spent all your money yeah. partying. I did that. Exactly same thing. It's exactly what I did. It's not like I'm judging them for being, you know, not true to themselves and to their family. No, it's exactly what I did. Yeah, you're fortunate. That's what you do. You're fortunate that you're, because I know his wife, and his wife is a just absolute saint. She's just a beautiful human being. Well, yeah, she and, lives with me. She has to be. Yeah, that's to true. <laughs> that is true. But, uh, I think it's incredible. I, I think it speaks just uh volumes to to the to to gata and her mentality in the deal right because i think a lot of times the guys that are going through the midlife crisis you know when they leave a lot of times their women aren't that strong to do something like that right because a lot of it is what you were talking about it's you did this and you did that and then you turn around and go well you did that and you did this next thing you know you're arguing instead of going hey you done i'm done I'm ready to move on. Yeah. I love you. You still love me. We got kids at the house. We got a life to run together. Yeah. You know, this is 20 something years later. We're not trying to create a fairy tale anymore, right? Mm-hmm. We're not watching Disney movies exactly. going, oh, this is what I want love. We already know that doesn't exist like that. Yeah. And so I, I, I love that piece of the story. And that's actually a piece of the story I didn't even know until now. And right. I, I knew, I kind of knew bits and pieces, but as far as how that all transpired until now and, and hearing it all in its full context, I think it's, I think it's probably one of the more powerful stories that I've heard, and probably one of the more powerful stories we've had on, on the podcast because it does speak to what you were talking about—that midlife crisis that a lot of times guys don't want to admit they're in because of pride and ego and all the mm-hmm. things we naturally carry as it is, right? Yeah. And it feels good. It does. Your dopamine is kicking at 100%, 110%. But then when the crash <laughs> comes, yeah. when the crash comes, when the drug runs off. It's <laughs> the down. you wake up and all it's and your wife yeah. isn't sitting on the bed most of the time, right? Uh-uh. A lot of times you're just there in that dark room hungover and you want to get up and call your kids and you can't. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you all of a sudden realize I'm still in love with my wife, but I can't tell her that because sure. I've screwed this thing up so bad, right? Your so, ego, like you said. Yeah. You don't yeah. admit it. You, you have an ego that just consumes you. I it's think it's incredible, true. man. I just, I love, I love that you shared all that and, and we're very, very real about the experience of it. But I think you might have saved Mambo from going through it himself. He, he had that look. Yeah. Oh, I was almost there. No, man. My wife would bury me if I ever Don't said, like, do it. <laughs> yeah, his wife wouldn't come sit you on the You guys would come bed. in to do the podcast. Where's Mambo? He's, he's in the back of the garage. <laughs> No, but I think uh, one thing you said is in relationships, when, when, especially if, if my wife and I have been together since we were teenagers and then we get to our twenties and we, we compare our relationship to people that we think are living the best relationship of their life. But then fast forward years later, they end up divorced and we're like, what happened? Then you start hearing the. The real story. The real, real stuff. stuff. Not, not yeah. the Facebook story. Yeah. Especially now, like you said, yeah. like the, the social e social media, yeah. everyone wants to put the nice stuff. They don't Here's what I learned on that. If you, they post all the time how great their relationship, that's the couple that's going to get divorced. That's the one that sucks. That's the one that sucks. That's why I post about mine being terrible all the time. Because <laughs> it's the No, best. no, there are people that do it like a lot. Like We're going to edit that one yeah. out. When you're compulsive, yeah. Can we edit shit out? Or no. <laughs> this is going. <laughs> no. The only thing we're going to edit out is your thumb, dr thumb drill of you banging on the table. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Mambo's got about 25 cuts. He's oh, I'm leaving all that in. <laughs> That's a lot of editing. I'm just going to leave it in. No, but but I, I think I think you're right. Like, you know, like I said, in my 20s, I used to try to look at couples that I thought were doing good. But, you know, fast forward and their divorce, then you start hearing what really happened and how unhappy they had been for all these years where you thought, wow, like that's that's the role model couple. Yeah. And it, it, it's just. It shatters you. I yeah. had friends with me and God a split. This one particular couple, the wife was like more butthurt than God. <laughs> Like, she would cry if she would see me talking to some chick at the bar. Because she was so... Because she thought we were, like, the perfect couple and that life is actually achievable. It's work. Relate. No, there is yeah. no perfect relationship. Yeah. No. They all, it's work. They suck ass half the time. I mean, truthfully, and you just got to make the best of it, crack a joke, and enjoy the other half. <laughs> enjoy the good stuff. Enjoy the good stuff. <laughs> I like I like how you keep bringing up the joke part, like because it's a joke. Yeah, and I think that's important for people to understand is is that relationships, the ones that are worth, you know, my wife and I, we we work hard on our relationship, right? And there's a lot, and when I say work hard, I mean there's a lot of times we have to, one of us has to suck up the pride and kind of buy into the other person's opinion because we're like two bulls mm -hmm. in the ring, right? Wow. But we've also been married for 11 years. And that, that's not something that you can shake a stick at. To be married to someone for married to someone for 10 plus years, in my opinion, is a strong thing, especially in today's time, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're, you're staying committed to that one person for a long period of time. And, it's, and there, was, there was phases in our marriage where we were like, all right, maybe, maybe we need to part ways. You know, maybe we need to go on a separate path. Maybe that will make us happier per se, kind of like what Bash was talking about. But then you, you get through that phase, right? And you fix it and you work it out and you get to the other side of it and you look back and you're like, man, I'm glad we didn't pull that trigger. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm glad we didn't go that route. I don't, because it wouldn't have fixed anything, yeah. right? Sticking together and working through it is what fixed it. Yeah, Separating and going our own separate ways and not communicating doesn't fix anything, yeah. right? So I, I, I hope that's on some level that we're able, because the three of us have all, you know, been in these relationships for a good amount of time. You two significantly longer than I, but it's, it's really, I think, important that people understand to stick together in a marriage is cool, right? It's a good thing. You don't, and, and divorce rate being at 60% in this country, it's the same in the wow. church. It's 60%. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're religious or non-religious. The divorce rate is, is crazy. In this. That means only 40, 35 to 40% of the people in the country are sticking together. So when you stick with your spouse, it makes you one of the rarities, right? Mm-hmm. It makes you the anomaly. If you don't, you're just doing what everybody else is doing. And that, that's because it's easy. That's the easy way. So that's just my two cents, and I love that you shared that. And I think the problem with that is because men and women on both sides are guilty of not setting up the expectations before marriage. I mean, a small example would be you go out with a girl, and the first day you open the door, and you open the car door, and you pick up the check. And then the next day you still do that. And then before you know you're engaged, and you're still opening the door. And fast forward five years later, you got the kids and the soccer and the craziness going on. And AYSO at six in the morning, and you get into the car, and right there you're going to start breaking that habit and you're not going to open the door anymore. Then fast forward three more years, that's ancient history. You'll never open that door for her again. And that's just a very small example of you shouldn't open the door to start with. If that's not, if, if that's not what, who you are. you are going to open, open the door wife. for the rest of your life. Yeah. I still open my wife's door. See, I used to. She yells at me, though. She's like, I can open my own door. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but when you stop. <laughs> yeah, I, I dare I you said, to stop. girl, you open your own door then. Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. But it's not about opening the door. Uh, uh, open it right in her face. <laughs> the amount of sex you have prior to marriage and at the beginning of the marriage and 10 years after the marriage. Uh, your patience with each other before the marriage, after the marriage, 10 years down the marriage. There has to be a certain expectation going in. I mean, this is this was told to me by my brother-in-law before I got married. He came to me. He saw how good I was treating his sister. <laughs> Notes and mixed tapes and flowers and <laughs> gifts and He's so like, romantic. Well cut all that off. And he comes up to me and he goes, bro, because we're buddies since high school too. Don't forget that. He goes, bro, you can't be doing that. You got to set the expectations from now because we both know you ain't going to keep doing this shit five years from now. And you're, and you were making them look bad too. I'm freaking do it for life. (laughs) I'm a lifer, bro. I'm a lifer, bro. I got this. Just because you don't treat your wife like this don't mean I can't. Right. But God damn, he was so right. He was right. (laughs) What was on those (laughs) mixtapes? Chris Sizek, Maria Carey, you know, (laughs) I don't see nothing wrong <laughs> with a little. <laughs> man, this is uh this was a good episode, man. I feel like we we need to have a part 2 or we could add another member to the Adversity podcast cuz yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this was a this was a good one, man. I, I I'm again, man, thank you for for opening up and sharing things that no most men wouldn't share about midlife crisis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good times. It was really good, man. I really appreciate it. I for loved sure. it. Yeah, man. But uh, thank you guys so much for uh, checking you. out the podcast. Thank you and, for having me. And we'll definitely have you back again. Beautiful and, uh, experience. We'll be, we'll be back on the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Peace.